0: Welcome to the inaugural episode of Friendly Ties. This is a new podcast that um, I've been working on in the background with a good friend of mine, Anastasia, for... A few months now, and we've also brought in another friend, Nick, and um, we're going to be doing a bunch of different stuff with this podcast, and uh, one of the big things is going to be post-game discussions. Uh, we all literally just finished playing a game of Beyond the Sun, and we recorded it, so it's actually a playthrough that you can see on the Jongets Games YouTube channel, and now we'd like to talk about it. But actually, before we even get to that, um, I think some introductions are in order. Um, if you're hearing this, you probably are relatively familiar with me, but maybe not my Awesome friends. And uh, yeah, we've known each other from a couple different avenues. And let's start with you, Anastasia. Thanks for deciding to work on this whole thing with me. And why don't you start by introducing yourself?
1: Hey, everyone. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. Uh, This has been super fun working on this with you the last few months. And I know John and I have kind of been circling in the same orbit for a while now through a mutual friend, um, some mutual friends of ours. And it was actually just during the pandemic because we live in different places and one of our friends in particular was like you guys have to play games you're gonna love playing games we just never had an opportunity and then it was during the pandemic that I was like hey John do you want to play a game on TTS which has kind of opened up this whole world of playing games I love playing Euros and I really didn't have a lot of opportunities even pre-pandemic to do that and John kind of brought me into this group that's where I met Nick and We've been playing Euros for a year now, um, almost exclusively online, and it's been fantastic. In fact, just last week we met on—I think it was what like our one-year gaming anniversary, John—and played yeah. a game in person. We did for the very first time, which was which was a real treat. But um, the great part about this is the first game I ever played, actually, where I met Nick was a game of Paladins. Where I just cheated my face <laughs> off, like, and Nick pointed it out on accident. I made it <laughs> on accident. I was so excited to play to play this game, and uh, it's my first TTS game, and I was real nervous. And then I just cheated, and I was like, "They're never going to invite me back." My one opportunity <laughs> to play Euro games, and I've just bungled it. And um, here we are
0: turns out we were totally fine with that i, I vaguely remember <laughs> yeah. you, you were you were so upset and i was just like i don't know you know tax yourself whatever makes you feel good you know spend a bunch of money <laughs> discard a bunch of <laughs> things you know you know it's all about having fun it was definitely a, it was a good moment i remember um you know it was you know we're all just kind of getting to know each other a little bit and uh you know just like welcome to the group this is how we play games and uh and yeah. it, it's it's worked really well from there uh, we really have been circling around uh, for a long time. Our, our mutual friend, I think, first mentioned you to me about eight years ago. Um, and, and it t- literally <laughs> took a global pandemic for us to actually become friends. And, um, you know, when it comes to silver linings, that's been uh, pretty exceptional. So we also have Nick here. And uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, we certainly go back quite a bit farther than this pandemic, don't we? Uh, yeah, and my my intro
2: to John story is actually also... Uh, with like a weird sort of start because i played a game actually in person with him at a board game cafe and it was him and his wife and a few other folks that was space base, and right? it was space space right yeah. it was the first time playing space space and we we're going through and there was something weird with the, the die rolling thing and john was teaching everybody as he often does and i just had this like suspicion that something was weird about the dice so i remember kind of like pulling it up and mentioning it and john was like you're right that does seem weird and then like he looked it up later and was like that's absolutely correct you want to play more games together um
0: <laughs> what's your so, email address yeah john
2: john is like pretty i on like board your attention that, to detail kinda. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i've known john for for a few years and and we've been playing we, we actually were playing on tts i think even before the
0: pandemic hit every once in a while Not just often, a little bit but like just a little bit yeah um yeah but, um, but yeah realistically tabletop simulator has um kind of revolutionized how us in our group, um, a wider group as well, but also just the three of us play so many of these games together. And that's part of the reason we decided we wanted to, you know, try filming these things. Uh, Just we were going to play these games together anyway. Um, (laughs) So we may as well, you know, record the whole uh, process. Uh, One thing you're probably going to see as time goes on is that Nick is very good at games and he frequently wins them. Uh, <laughs> so there's going to be oh, much uh, <laughs>
1: to the chagrin of the rest of us.
0: It's not, it's not bad blood, but like people might be like, wow, they're being really, they're really being down on themselves. Like you'll, you'll see, but it's fine. It's it's totally fine because, you know, these things go all over the place. And honestly, um, it was Anastasia's idea to call this podcast Friendly Ties. And uh, I think it's a great name. And a big part of that is because Anastasia and I have a, a strange history of tying um, a lot Yeah, it's it's like we we lose to Nick
1: but we tie each other
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh and and somewhat somewhat strangely enough if there's a tiebreaker I end up usually winning it I think you've threatened to defriend me several times over that but you know it it we we persevered ability
1: to tie me and win on a tiebreaker (laughs) is legendary Like, we've had games where we miscalculated, and the next day we've we've gone, you know, on Discord and had, like, a discussion. And, like, I, like, in, like, this tense moment of me realizing that I tied him, and then there's a first tiebreaker, and then there's a second tiebreaker, and I still lost.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that actually um, doesn't bring us back to Beyond the Sun, because, you know, this is... This was a game that I did not do very well. And I've played Beyond the Sun a bunch. I just checked it. This is my ninth play. And I I got one of my worst scores. I got 38 points. I came dead last. Uh, Anastasia, you came in second. Um, not that far behind Nick. And uh, I still really enjoyed this play. Man, I'm still really digging this game. And and so in the future, when we do these um, you know uh, post-game discussion podcasts, generally one of us is probably going to be new to the game. But we felt like for this first episode, we wanted to play a game that we all know and love like we we played this one i think for the first time together the, the very first time we all played it it was together and now here we are i played it you know nine times uh, and i think nick is playing it way more than that and um, just coming back to this to talk about this game that we really enjoy and the, the play that we just had um so i think speaking from uh my perspective in, in the game that we just did um beyond the sun is it's really fun to put things together, to try and uh, build up a strategy. But it's also very easy to kind of just bumble around and do a whole bunch of things and get a pile of points but not have enough. And I think that's kind of where I was at. And I spent kind of the whole game, uh, the grass is greener, a little bit with the two of you. Like, Nick got early colonies out, and Anastasia was slamming all these uh, achievements. And I was like, well, (laughs) at least my score is going to be positive. Yeah, that'll, that'll happen. And, I mean, Beyond the, the Sun,
2: I always want to call it Beyond the Stars, Beyond the Sun uh, has <laughs> has uh, a, a, an uncanny knack of like the, everything gives you points, right? You were like, the colonies are like a big chunk, you have a big pile of points, but all your researches give you points. Um, controlling things at the end gives you points. So you kind of like collect these little bits here and there. And I think it's, it could be a game that's um, pretty hard to see who is doing well it's like you have to feel like you're doing well throughout the game i don't i don't know if you two feel the same but i i always think it's opaque until i get to the end who wins
1: yeah i usually feel that way too except in this game i totally thought i had it so that just goes (laughs) to show you
0: you sounded pretty heartbroken when the final scores came out oh
1: my god well it's hard enough to lose to nick even though i've got lots and lots of practice at it um (laughs) Just so much practice, uh. But when I when I felt like I had it, but no, I I completely agree. It's really one of the things I, I love about this game. The first time we played it, and I think John, you were telling me this was my sixth play. I, I was using John's log play to tell me how many times I played it. Seventh. Yeah. And I played it one time without you. So, so yeah. So I've played it also now uh, seven, eight times, and I. I remember the first time we played it, I just, I didn't like it. I was like, I couldn't make anything come together. I couldn't, I was like, wait, I can't, I can't make anything happen. But what I didn't realize until we got to the game scoring is that, you know, to your point, Nick, the scoring, it, it's like, it kind of gives you points for everything. So you're like, oh, you know, even though I didn't really make the achievements happen and I didn't get that far on the tech tree and I didn't colonize that much, I had enough points in enough places that I wasn't out of it. I think I still lost that game and that, that, that doesn't matter for me. But the point was that I wasn't like completely out of the game and I was actually able to pull a lot of points in from a lot of areas I didn't expect to. And that's actually what sold me on the game. And so I realized that I was like, oh, this is really cool. This doesn't reward you for just, you know, beating everyone in one sector or another. It rewards you for, t- for kind of doing everything taking advantage of all of the different avenues that you can go in this game. And I just, I love the balance of that. And I think it's it's really, really, really uh, cleverly
0: designed. I distinctly remember after we played the first time, you saying that you weren't really sure if it had legs. <laughs> like, you were like, ah, it feels like yeah. it might be kind of samey. Like, there's not that many text in the deck and and i'm not like trying to put you on the spot there because i think all of us were kind of curious like we we all enjoyed the first play to a certain extent but we're like yeah you know we had just played anno 1800 which we were all falling in love with swiftly and we'd played lost Runes of arnak around that same time there's a lot of really good games that came out at the end of last year um but then this one was kind of a slow burn like we i remember we would we we would chat about the game like the next day and then the day after that and then we played it again and we just kind of kept coming back to it obviously that's quite a few plays i mean generally i it's terrible to say, but I rarely play most games more than three times. Just, I play a lot of new games. It's just kind of part of my thing. So the fact that I played this nine times, I was actually kind of surprised to see that, Um, which is, you know, pretty cool overall. Uh, I do want to just have like a super high level, super brief uh, discussion, or I guess uh, explanation about this game. It's It's a worker placement game where you have one worker And on your turn, you just move it to a new worker placement spot. And a big selling point for this game is you are building out a communal tech tree. And as you put new technologies down, that usually unlocks new spots to put your worker to do different things. And, you know, if I've unlocked it and Anastasia has been there too, then maybe we'll fight for it. But then there's this whole sideboard where you have ships that are vying for majorities on planets. And the game is really all about how those technologies feed into the sideboard and the sideboard feeds into the technologies. And um, the way these things come out offer a, a really wide variety of experiences and i thought that was actually kind of cool because um, when we were starting off this play on i remember you said that you were going to go heavy text because i usually go heavy text and it's something that you haven't <laughs> really done so much in the past um and you did like it yeah. was really interesting the way that the, the, the text came out in this game it was very uh forward propelling you know you get technologies that let you research new technologies sometimes you know and we've played this game before where we're desperately trying to find any way to get new technologies and because of that because we can't make new tech we just dogpile on the the board with all the ships and we just have a bunch of fights over there in this game we had quite a few competitions on the planets but but it was just a a surprising swath of research that could happen here more so than i feel like uh, the average game has i think one of the reasons that this game has legs uh, as, as the
2: two of you were mentioning is because the you know, our, our criticism, I think, after like the first play or two was like, oh, it doesn't seem like the tech deck has that many technologies in it. Like it'll we'll we'll run out of it after like having seen them and be over it. But really what will happen is you'll kind of formulate your game plan off of like somewhere between one to four technologies that you flipped up and you're like, okay, that's the action I'm gonna take, or like, oh, this technology interacts with that technology. And so that's gonna be my focus. And this game that we just played it was like the one technology, the, the multi-colony symposium. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's my game plan. And because right, that one um, let
0: you really cheaply research technology if you also had a couple of colonies. So you flip that right. and then, yeah, your entire game plan for the next few turns, I think was just get two colonies.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, and then that, that became my, and so you could play this game and the, the technologies are robust enough that you can have a very different feeling experience um, and that's the thing that I think really helps give gives it legs.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you, Nick. And I actually think that there's this additional layer, which, you know, I've played this game now, as we said, seven, eight times. And this is the first game that I really paid attention to the different types of technology. So, you know, on this tech tree, as you continue to um, build up to each level, you sort of, the, the lower levels dictate the the type of technology that you're going to draw. And there's four different types. I think they're do you remember that one is military, one of them scientific,
0: commercial,
1: uh, commercial and economic. Something else. Yes. Economic, economic, I think. Yeah. And each one of them kind of benefits you or helps you in different ways. And we've played games that were super heavy military, which is, you know, and usually referring to them by color. And so it kind of takes a couple of plays before you start to realize okay, wait, how will these different, or at least it took a couple plays for me to start thinking about how will drawing these different texts kind of affect my gameplay? And that's just not something I've ever really played into until this game. And then in this game, I kept drawing blue technologies, which are scientific technologies because I wanted to automate. And that's one of the things they do well. And as it turned out, I think I only drew blue technologies I the whole so. game, the yeah. way that they fed each other, which then ended up meaning like half our tech tree was just science which was just research heavy and so it it totally changed the the play of the game based on that and I I just want to appreciate that layer because uh, that's not something I'd normally it's it's totally there for you to take it's just not something I'd ever really kind of played into I was like okay yeah I'm just gonna pick a color it's fine whatever and I, I thought that was really cool
0: yeah, I mean, the, the game does this really neat thing where, you know, there's, just, there's randomness. Uh, whenever you research a new technology, you don't know what you're going to get, but you kind of have an idea of what it might be based off of those four colors that you mentioned. And the game has these awesome player aids that, like, literally tell you, like, what green is likely to get you and what blue is likely going to get you. And I'm looking at the map at the end of our game, and it really was essentially all blue and red. And Red is military, and there's a lot of ships. There were several different technologies that allowed us to drop the most powerful ships on the board, which could do some pretty big swings. But we barely, we essentially did no green, uh, and we did, I think, essentially no yellow either. It was actually a strangely uh, focused game in that way. In general, I feel like there's usually more of a variety there. And just the fact that, you know, even though I think in this game, we cycled through the value, the level 2 Technology deck, I think at least two times just digging for the appropriate text. So we like technically saw every technology like twice. It didn't matter. It didn't feel like, and therefore that was a bad thing. It wasn't a bad thing at all. Like technologies only matter when they matter, when they color match. And just because you cycle through the deck twice doesn't really mean much. And the way these things mix together can be really fascinating.
1: I actually think it's a credit to the game that. I can have played it so many times without really starting to think through those levels in most part because I've played a lot with John and John often does the tech tree and I've often done something else. And so that shows you how often you can play this game and you can go through a lot of different avenues. You know, I was very uh, verbal that I was like not going to focus on space. I was like, I'm going to let them fight over space. I'm not going to go to space. And then about halfway through my game, I needed to build up production, and it's it really does kind of fit the theme. It's like I've been research heavy really far, and then I needed to build up production, so I had to go into space to be able to get more production and to build up more of my resources to then research more. And I I really like that. I like that the game doesn't let you completely specialize. You do have to kind of balance enough to kind of make everything work.
2: Yeah. Um, there's something you said earlier, John, that I wanted to, um, jump off of, which was about the, uh, the drawing of the technologies being random. And that comes with one of the things that I really like about the game. And then also one of the criticisms that I have about the game. So one thing that I really like is when you discover a new technology, it's not only are you drawing from the deck for the certain type, but you draw two and then keep one, right? And you get to like kind of formulate your game plan around that. You get to like decide what's best for you in the moments and, the technologies also have like what's their power and what's the immediate bonus that you get for playing that, which I Mm -hmm. think is um, really rich, right? It leads to very deep gameplay. The one criticism that that comes up or that brings up for me is that uh, it generates a situation in which someone goes to research and then they have to look at these two cards and they have to read them and they have to assess the board state and say, if I do this, what's the board state going to look like? Well, if I had to do this, what's the board state have to look like? And the, the most downtime in the game happens when people are deciding between those choices. It's, it's a deep, it's a rich choice, but it is a time-consuming choice. Yeah, that does make sense.
1: Yeah. A lot of games have stalled out at that moment, right? Thinking through that, you know, sort of like waiting through that, I definitely.
0: Have either of you played with any out. of the variants that come with the game? Because there's, there's an advanced tech market variant, and there's also asymmetric player boards.
1: Oh, yes, John. You don't remember playing the asymmetric boards with me and how after that you never wanted to play them again?
0: You know what? I had genuinely forgotten that was, yeah, you're right. No, it's all coming back to me now. It's all coming back to me. That was, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, We did that once. We did that once, I think.
1: We did, and it was so good, guys. Play the async boards. John won't play them with me anymore. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I don't know. I was, we only played at this one game, and I remember, I think it's the flip side of the United Nations of Soul. I think it's the flip side of what I was playing tonight. It, it was, I, I can't remember the power. Honestly, if you go and watch John's vlog at the time, he talks quite a bit about it I think in Thinking Your Good Games vlog, that specific play about the async boards yeah um but it, it, it had this a power that like let me milk my engine in a way that like i just i loved i was like this power is so good and comparatively i think to what you were trying to i think your async power didn't sync with what you were trying to do john or something like that and it just it i felt like it didn't sync the with the technologies benefit. that
0: hit the board uh, i think was my yeah yeah because the asynchronous powers are very they're very puzzly. They almost feel like solo games to me, um, where like they're, they're like a, a challenge. Like you know, play the play this game like this. Jump through these hoops. If you do, then you're gonna get like a big bag of coins. Um, and if and if you don't, then you're gonna faceplant. And you know, I I, I faceplanted, and you you uh, nothing it was but net great through a great those loops. bag of coins. You, you did really it was good there. a great
1: there. bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good. But I'm curious, Nick, because here here we had this one play where obviously, and we're a little bit colored by the perspective we had you know winning felt great in that play because uh, things just really came together I, you've played them a couple of times right
2: i haven't played the async boards but i have played the tech market variant um and i've i've looked at the async boards i'm familiar with them and i didn't love the tech market variant i felt like there was a little bit too much control too much power um that
0: could you it, go it, into it, how that works a little bit
2: yeah, yeah. So the tech market, it sort of like has the technologies laid out beforehand, and then you get to you get to sort of choose what's out there. So you can pre plan your game plan. Whereas like what happens in the in the fundamental base game is you are like, okay, I'm going to research something happens. And then you're like, yeah. okay, now I need to figure out what to do with that. And to me, that's, that's really fun. And yes, it's true. Every once in a while, like, you bump into a game, you like flip this tech, you flip this other tech, you're like, these don't work together at all. I'm in bad shape. Um, but you can usually figure something out from there and yeah. and I think there's a game plan that could be generated. And I think the other one has like too much AP, too much planning. Um uh by AP I mean like analysis paralysis, right? It's just that people can look into what they're doing way too far in advance. I don't like that. Yeah. Um and as to the asynchronous player boards. I'm a little torn on them. I mean, I, in general, love asymmetry in games. I say asynchronous, but I mean asymmetry. <laughs> um, that was probably I'm, my fault. <laughs> I'm, into, I'm into asymmetry in games, but um, one of the things I like about this game is that it is a build-your-own asymmetry game. Like, yeah. the path that you choose at the beginning, I choose at the beginning, sort of says, oh, you're going to be doing this. And you can, like, kind of sneak on other people's strategies, but you have to be doing something at least a little bit unique or they're just going to do better than you. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, Nick, I I totally agree with you that, that that's actually it's you just put that beautifully that you kind of make your own asymmetry. And I think, honestly, that's why I haven't wanted to go back to the Async boards. I joke that that John wouldn't play that way, but I'm sure that you would if we wanted to play that way. And and I haven't been pulled back to it because surprisingly, because, you know, to our the base game just has stayed fresh over and over again. And. You know, I remember really holding a, a torch for this one when we were getting distracted by other games because it just, every time we, we play it, it is it is so different. And when you first start, you are oftentimes like, okay, really, we're just going to do the same things. We're all going to kind of develop these same level one techs and we're all going to kind of go. But the, the way that that kind of unfolds does make for really interesting gameplay and the, and the tug of war. And I kind of want to hear your guys' thoughts. Like I love the, the shipboard, which seems kind of almost like a, like a side piece, you know, it's like you have this huge tech tree and you're like, okay, tech tree, but then you've got the shipboard with these planets and the tug of war that occurs to, to make sure you have a majority so that you can colonize planets and the ability to increase your production by, Having you know, kind of controlling the different systems. I just, I love that interaction. It it makes for so much tension as you're waiting I like, you know, half the game is like, will someone take away my majority here so that I lose the ability to make enough people to be able to, or enough ore to be able to get this done and will I be able to stay here long enough to colonize it before someone blocks my spot? I just, I like the way, that's my favorite type of Tension and interaction in the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it threads the needle really well. Of, um, like you said, tension without without falling off a cliff or without being you know stabbed through the heart by by somebody by, by their moves. You know, there's some majorities. You're moving the ships around, and somebody takes your majority away. Well. They're not like destroying your ships. They just now have more. And well, maybe now you just fly somewhere else. Like there's no destruction on that board. There's occasionally, yeah, you lose a production token and now you get slightly less efficient, but, but it's kind of okay. You know, you just, you move on to somewhere else and people colonize the spots that moves and that moves your ships around. And now there's new opportunities. And I think it's just, you know, the the way it's very uh, fluid and dynamic lends itself towards like a fun competition, like, That's where a big part of the head-to-head part of this game is. Like, I would not call this a multiplayer solitaire game. I wouldn't say it's the most conflict conflict conflicty game ever, but, like, the conflict happens over there. And it's this really good mix of the indirect conflict with the worker placement board, which occasionally matters. And then the majorities, which which frequently does in very tiny ways. And um, it's, like, enough... To get you committed and it's enough to like make you feel a little bit of emotion like oh, man but not like oh i'm i'm doomed because that happened like you just you you just pick your toys up and you move somewhere else and then you make somebody else's life slightly inconvenient i think both of your comments about the
2: the space board are very insightful there it's interesting though my opinion is a little bit different i think that the space board is kind of like a boring side part of the game and I think that's a good part of the design because I don't want that board to distract me from... This, this game is basically like a couple mini games put together into one game. And I think one of the things that makes this game hum is that each of those mini games is not that hard. Like taking the space game by itself is a little bit boring, but it doesn't distract me from what I'm trying to do, which is the most important part of the game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yet I can say that I have played this game several times and won it by just focusing on the space board. I mean, there have been several times where I've never researched higher than a level two tech. And and that was perfectly fine to get me through the game um, and and still be successful with it. Um, so I think that that is actually pretty cool as well, that you can focus on colonizing, you can focus on, or maybe having one level three tech. Like you don't have to go super deep into the tech tree to win this game. And I I like that, that if you want to just kind of you know, really work the And some of that has to do, though, also with the end game achievements, which I is one of the last other things I wanted to bring up to you guys, which is how do you feel about the game end on this one? Because, you know, I know Nick and I have played a game of this that went, what, three and a half hours, like longer than any other game we've, (laughs) we've played. Like we we can play this game in 90 minutes and we can also play. It. We that one time we played it. I think it took three hours, and it's it, it's very variable because of those end game achievements. And sometimes my this game I felt like actually went a pretty medium length, but yeah. most of the games I feel like I played of this are actually a bit shorter. In as much as that, you think you're kind of building everything, and then suddenly a couple people get achievements, and it's over. And I actually like that about it because it makes it very quick. And it, there's quite a bit of tension of, like, when is that going to come? When, when, when are, how much longer will I have to build this before everything kind of just stops on me? But it also can be very abrupt. And so I'm curious what you guys think about that.
2: I, I do think it's abrupt that, you know, in three players, three achievements is less than you would expect in a Euro game to, like, end the game. It just doesn't feel full. But that being said, um, the finish the round and one extra round generally gives people enough time and i'm actually quite confident that if the game went longer um it would feel like it dragged out like this game is one that crests uh at the right time because your engine is like finally humming and like maybe it just hums in the last turn or two and that's great like i think that that's appropriate i think it's a good design choice
0: well i guess except for that one three-hour game that you had (laughs) yeah (laughs) was that because the achievements and the technologies were just like not coming together, or what happened there? So that that
2: game is, be, I think it was because, um, well, first of all, we fought on the space board all the time, so there's a lot more tug and oh tug God. of war going on in that yeah. game than any other game. But the other part about it was that we, um, something that we haven't talked about, which is your personal income board, and that's like a, a mini game of this game that people don't talk about that much on the forums, but actually is, I think, one of the like secret parts of the design. Um, how that like population growth happens. And in the game that we played, we were struggling to like get population to do things. So we would take these like crappy half turns just to get resources <laughs> to do something. Whereas in the game that we just played right now, the three of us, um, we were flush with resources because of those initial colonies that the two of you were appropriately raving about yeah. that were like, moving our, our um, resources over into the earlier columns. Yeah, back into the bucket. Yeah, I think.
1: Yeah, and that particular game was a uh, very heavy military. If I remember correctly, it was just everything that came out was military. So it really, really encouraged us to spend a lot of time on the space board, which we did lots and lots of time. Tug of and pulling back, so nobody could get colonies out. Nobody could get majorities, and you never had enough of your, um, uh, to- you know, uh, what are those called tokens? Whatever, you never had enough. Of your tokens on the board to make as nick said your production really work
0: Yeah, oh, that's really interesting uh, thinking back to when we first started playing beyond the sun around a year ago um, that was also around the same time Anno 1800 came out and not to go into that game but uh, I mean, any more than this they both have player driven end game conditions and i think that is quite interesting for a euro game because most euro style games you know, you play X number rounds, it's an eight round game or it's, you know, you, you play until the deck of cards is run out or you play until this resource is done. Um, But you know, in this game and Anno 1800, like it's triggered when the players decide to trigger it, you know, they, you know, in, in this game, you have to complete specific achievements. You have to, you know, do some specific hoop jumping to actually make those things happen. And then that's the only way the game ends. And Anno 1800, it ends when somebody plays all their cards and, you know, in, in, both of these games, I remember feeling like, you know, again, because we played them so close to each other, they're kind of tied in my head, that, like, you could play them for so long or so short. And I, I I vaguely remember our first game of Beyond the Sun was pretty long. I think it was, I can't remember if it was three or four players, but I think it was, you know, probably two and a half hours, something like that. And I think within two weeks, we had played a three-player game in, in like, 70 minutes. And we're like, oh. And the same thing happened with with Anno 1800. So I think, you know, it's it, I don't think this is really a criticism of the design but i think first impressions are important and i think for some people they might find with beyond the sun that like they're playing it and they're having fun but like then it just goes on so long because they're 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 making new technologies they're playing with the different things that they have come up and then it's like oh yeah remember these three or these four little uh achievement cards way off over the on the side like if you forget about those, you're never going to finish. <laughs> and, you know, usually, you know, people get to that point relatively quickly and, you know, after a game or two, you're there, but it's just an interesting thing that that the design allows the game to potentially go longer. If, if the players aren't keeping their eye on the ball.
1: I couldn't agree with you more, John, on that point. And I think that for both of those games, it's funny that you bring up Anno because Anno 1800 is absolutely another game that after the first play, I was like, hmm, I don't know if I need to play this again and by far is my favorite game of last year. I love that game. And, and this was probably my second after frequent, favorite this after, in, after many in, more plays after many more plays. I mean, I'm at this point, I think I've played Anno like 25 times. I mean that I like, I, it's a great game and I, I love beyond the sun too. I just, um, this is probably my second favorite game. This is uh, somewhere around with lost ruins of Arnak. Those three for me were just fantastic designs that came out of last year. And I, I felt in in both Anno 1800 and Beyond the Sun, you've got to play them multiple times, at least twice, to to really understand how those games work. I like to time my games. I like to kind of time them in the sense that, like, I kind of like to you know kind of understand the pacing of them. And I had the pacing wrong in both games. In both cases, I did not understand this end game condition. I didn't understand that it's in a way ultimately a race. And when you can kind of embrace that perspective. And play the game from that perspective, it really changes things. Because in both cases, you're not you're yes, you're building up your engine, or yes, you're trying to play your cards and not to conflate the games, but it, it, you're you're doing the thing you want to do, and that's very enjoyable, and that's why I love playing Euro games, and it's super fun. But you do still have to fundamentally understand that this game is is at its core a bit of a race because that is what causes the end game. So whoever gets the achievements first, you have to be able to be fluid with that timing. Um Or in the case of Anno, you know, whoever plays their cards down first, you have to, that was just so new to me. I hadn't played a lot of other games with that condition. And so it was really hard for me to understand how to play the game. I was, they were abrupt. It was frustrating. And after a couple of plays, I just, you know, clearly I've fallen in love with both games. So, um. okay, wait, hold on. Nick, before we wrap this up, how did you win this game? (laughs) Tell me. Tell me, because I thought I had you. And I know, I know, you know, you made a really great point about, you know, the game kind of being opaque as you go through it, and you really shouldn't get in your head about it because of the way the points are, but I thought I had you. I mean, uh, yeah. Tell me what happened. Enlighten me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I thought it was very close. Um, up until the end, I wasn't, I did not think that I was like a shoe to win. I thought we were going to have very close scores. I thought when you made the last action that left me with two extra points to give yourself three points, I was like, okay, that seems really good for me. Cause I'm pretty sure I'm like right on your ass. Um, that is
1: how much I thought I was beating him. I thought I was giving him pity points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh,
2: you know, they collect from everywhere, right? Like I had a couple extra points on the board. The biggest chunk of my extra points compared to you was that I had four colonies and you had two, right? So I had like double your colony points basically. And um, you had leftover ships that went around and got points from the, the actual spaceport itself, um, roughly a colony's worth of points on the space board, so you know I wonder if maybe like doing that an extra time um, would have helped. The one thing that I really was curious about, you know, you ended the game with a bajillion resources, and part of the reason that you did that was because you had that level four technology that wanted you to have extra ore at the end of the game. But when you chose that technology, I had wondered if the other level four technology would have been better for you, and then. You could have focused on spending your resources to end the game instead of saving them because um, your end just didn't seem as flashy. I mean, you scored pretty re- respectably. Like when we looked at it, like
0: you scored seven points in the last two turns, which is like plenty for this game. There but was that one thing about it that wanted you to hoard resources. So I think that was maybe a little bit of the synergy. Was that what you were going for there?
1: That's exactly what happened. Is we we had an achievement that wanted you to hoard resources, and I needed a lot of resources in order to research level fours. I needed to have like three people to get rid of in four coal, and then to colonize. Like I just I needed lots of resources, and then there was an achievement that I really I just had my eye on. I really wanted to get, and it needed me to hoard resources, and that was part of it. And then I thought that synergized with my level four tech. But Nick, you make a great point. There was this moment, and this kind of goes to the points we've been talking about. The game is that you can kind of choose, and you you do kind of pick your poison there. And and there was one, and it wasn't quite as flashy, but it probably would have given me more points. I think you even said that while we were playing. I was like, this will give me more points. You did. I um, remember. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm regretting it now. Uh, no, I, I I just I think that it didn't give me, an, you know, another great point about this game is, You get this choice between an immediate benefit. It's not a choice. You get an immediate benefit, and then you get kind of a secondary benefit, which is oftentimes in the tech tree and action space you can take. But these level fours, it's almost always an end game scoring potential, kind of an end game scoring goal, which is interesting because you usually don't get these goals until the end of the game, practically, you know, because one of the achievements that ends the game is someone getting level four tech. So it's very interesting because you kind of, you hope that whatever level four tech you get works and synergizes with what you've built so far you have a choice between two obviously because you don't have that going in you're not like planning or playing towards that which is an interesting part of the game but yeah there were these two choices and I I think you're right Nick I think if I picked the other one potentially I could have turned that into more points but I liked the immediate benefit on the one I chose and that was, you know, I'm going to get this up front, and I'm going to take it, and hopefully turn that into something better. And um, I didn't. Although I, I mean, think I will say I, I I was sort of. I think I played a, a great game of Beyond the Sun, and I think you played a great game of Beyond the Sun, John. I think you played a great game of Beyond the Sun too. I think John, you. <laughs> oh, go I don't think turns. my game was.
0: I think I played a thoroughly okay game of Beyond the Sun there.
1: <laughs> okay, so I think I played a great game. I think you played a great game. <laughs> there you Nick. go. <laughs> and you played it no but you know nick i think you just played it better i mean that's honestly i walk away from this play so content and that that for me is a sign of a great game is that when you do everything you wanted to do and you did it all well and you're just you walk away good from it and even though you lost you're like i did i i played my best game to what i could do with what i had and then uh, as usual nick played it better <laughs>
0: Well, I think that's going to bring this discussion to a close. It was a bit of a love fest uh, because obviously the three of us really, really enjoyed this game uh, and we've talked about this one at long lengths (laughs) in the past. Uh, In the future, when we uh, play some more games, some of the ones that we're really excited about that we have only just barely tried or haven't tried at all, I'm sure uh, we're all very excited to dive into those and and talk endlessly about those as well. I mean, honestly, that's kind of the reason this podcast first started uh, was we really enjoyed talking about the game after we finished playing it so much to the point where we're like, yeah, maybe we should record this. Maybe other people will enjoy this too. And and hopefully other people are. And that's actually going to lead me to the, the final thing in that um, we would love constructive uh, feedback. Um, this is the first episode and we're hoping to do a lot more of these. And um, please let me know what you like or I guess let us know. I'm so used to doing this stuff by myself. <laughs> but let us know uh, what you liked, maybe what you didn't. And um, we we would love to hear any constructive feedback that people have because we're enjoying doing this and we would love to do it better and uh yeah i think that's going to uh bring this to a close thanks everybody for listening